plans for my crazy day. My packed commute. All those unread emails in my inbox. But I'm getting stronger, faster, and pushing myself further every day. I don't care if I'm not like everyone else. This punching bag is the best way to end my day. <laughs> Fearless is knowing yoga isn't your style. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits at fepblue.org slash get more. Everybody, welcome to a, another episode of Lockdown Jaguars. I'm Ryan O'Halloran of the Florida Times Union. It is Monday morning, September 26th. I'm uh, taping this on Sunday night, the 25th. Another loss for the Jaguars. Very familiar territory for the month of September. One win in September, Gus Bradley's four years as coach. The latest defeat, a gut puncher, 1917. Baltimore wins on Sunday. Justin Tucker, a 54-yard field goal, which would have been good from 64, with 102 remaining. Four segments for you coming up for this Monday morning, all reviewing the game. First segment, give you the nuts and bolts, some key statistics, some key plays. Second segment, I'll go inside the game with uh, some details from my print edition main story. Second segment, excuse me, third segment, extra points, five questions and five attempted answers. And we'll wrap it up with the fourth segment with the reporter's notebook. Bunch of stuff to talk about. Here on Locked On Jaguars, let's start with the nuts and bolts of the game. Jaguars dropped to 0-3. Slow start, bad finish, equals a loss. Ravens built leads of 7-0, 10-0, 13-7, The Jaguars took their first lead with 7:27 remaining. Jason Myers, 49-yard field goal. That's where things got interesting because of the turnovers. The Jaguars weren't able to capitalize. Jaguars, once again, could not run the football. They've been, the run game is broken. 21 carries for 48 yards. T.J. Yeldon and Chris Ivory combined for 18 carries for 31 yards. That's less than two yards a carry. This run game is broken. Guys are struggling to get back to the line of scrimmage. The Jaguars are getting whipped up front. Another concern. We'll get into this a little bit later. Quarterback Blake Bortles, three interceptions today. He has six and three games, plus a fumble, so that's seven turnovers. Threw for only 194 yards on 38 attempts. So that meant no big plays. His longest pass was 20 yards. This team is not pushing it down the field enough. Allen Robinson was the leading receiver. Seven catches for 57 yards, two touchdowns. His fourth multi-touchdown game. Marquis Lee, five catches. Allen Hearns, four catches. Mercedes Lewis, three. And Julius Thomas, only two. Defensively, Jaguars played better. Baltimore was just 3 of 13 on third down. Paul Pozlesny, 12 tackles. Jonathan Cyprian, 10 stops. They had two sacks, one by Gakwe, one by Malik Jackson. And they had their first two interceptions of the year, Pozlesny and Tayshawn Gibson. Special teams made two big plays. Rashad Green had a long punt return to set up a score. Denar Robinson recovered a fumbled punt, which... Um, Led to a field goal. Yeah, we'll get into that later as well. So, bottom line, 0-3, 0-2 in the conference. Jaguars last place in the AFC South. Um, this was a tough one. Uh, could be some ramifications if they don't win Sunday against Indianapolis over in London. When I get back, we'll go with Jaguars Insider. 
Welcome back to Lockdown Jaguars. Time for the Jaguars Insider. In a hush locker room 30 minutes after the Jaguars' latest loss and their latest September to forget, receiver Alan Hearns could have been speaking for every offensive teammate. Quote, I was expecting shots, end quote, Hearns told me. Expecting it because being aggressive and throwing downfields with the Jaguars have done well since the start of last year. Expecting it because it represented the Jaguars' best and only chance at closing out the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday. Instead, offensive coordinator Greg Olson twice called Chris Ivory's number, choosing to sit on a one-point lead. It didn't work, and now the Jaguars sit at 0-3 after a 19-17 loss to the Ravens. I feel like this was a giveaway, run, running back TJ Yeldon told me. Hearns added, this one is on the offense. Yeah, we gave this one away. Giveaway number one. First down from the Ravens, 31 after Tayshawn Gibson's interception with 5-17 left. The Jaguars led 17-16. Ivory, first down run, lost two yards. Two plays later on third and 10 and needing the pass, Blake Bortles was intercepted. Giveaway number two, first down from the Ravens, 29 after Paul Pulis the interception with 3-20 remaining. First down run, Ivory stopped for no gain. Three plays later, Jason Myers' 52-yard field goal was blocked. Handed a reprieve, the Ravens calmly moved down the field and won it with 62 seconds left on the clock. Justin Tucker, 54-yard field goal. The Jaguars ignored their best playmakers. First down rushing plays aren't what this offense was built on. It was built on the shoulders of Hearns, Al Robinson, Julius Thomas, and Mercedes Lewis. I asked Hearns after the game about the play calling. Quote, Hearns said, quote, we probably got a little conservative. That's what I'm thinking. That's frustrating. Always coming up short. And at that, and that, that time of the game, that's when you want to be active as playmakers and getting involved. But I trust the plan, end quote. The Jaguars' plan stunk. Their Jaguars' plan to run out the clock instead of adding a game-securing touchdown ultimately cost them. Coach Gus Bradley said after the game, quote, We had opportunities, especially at the end. All we had to do was get a first down, and we didn't do that, end quote. This is where I disagree with Bradley. This, was, this should have been about just getting a first down. This should have been about putting the Ravens off the field, down two scores, down eight points at the very minimum, losing hope. But it was clear from the first possession of the game that Jaguars shouldn't have counted on their running game to do anything with the game on the line. Instead of going for it, the Jaguars settled for it and were bitten. Said Mercedes Lewis when I asked him about coming close again. Quote, before we start to learn how to win games, we have to stop giving games away. I feel sick right now, end quote. A very telling comment from Lewis, who is the longest-tenured Jaguar player in more than a decade. Once again, the Jaguars 0-3 should feel ill about their September, but this the time isn't on Gus Bradley's side like the previous three years. His seat is figuratively aflame. His team departs Wembley Stadium next Sunday. When less Bradley may pay the price. Quote, I believe in this team, end quote, Bradley said. We just didn't do enough good things. It sounds like a broken record a little bit, and it is, end quote. Oh, it certainly is a broken record. Under Bradley, the Jaguars are 12-39. and 39. This was just as disheartening a loss as the Green Bay defeat September 11th. It should have never come down to the Ravens getting a chance to win it. The can't capitalize off a takeaway theme began midway through the fourth quarter. Trailing 16-14 with 9-1 to go, the Jaguars started at the Baltimore 39 after Devin Hester muffed a punt that Denar Robinson recovered. The sudden change the Jaguars needed was created, but Ivory gained a yard on first down. Another first down run. 
that triggered the start of the run on first down and take a, instead of take a shot to the end zone theme. They settled for Myers' 49-yard field goal with 7.27 to go to give the Jaguars their first lead. Things didn't improve after the aforementioned interceptions the first two of the Jaguars' season. Just add the offensive play calling to the list of problems the Jaguars will take, to them, take with them to London later this week. Their quarterback has regressed. Seven turnovers in three games. Their running game is a joke. 2.8 yards per carry. Their level of discipline is occasionally non-existent. 14 more penalties than their opponents. Bradley, in his opening statement to the media today, said, quote, We're well aware of the situation we're in right now. As the head coach, I'm the problem solver. We have to solve these problems and quickly. That's exactly what I told the team. End quote. It better happen soon, or Shad Khan may give up on Bradley. That's the Jaguar Insider. We'll be back with Jaguars Extra Points in just a sec. Welcome back to Locked on Jaguars. Time for Jaguars Extra Points. Five questions and five attempted answers off the Baltimore win slash Jaguars collapse. 1917 Ravens win it. Question number one, when did it become clear the Jaguars would lose to Baltimore? Answer, as soon as Jason Myers' 52-yard field goal attempt was blocked, the Ravens trailed by one, had no timeouts remaining, and only 2.59 to work with. No matter, it was over. Baltimore is an elite team, even though they're 3-0, but as a Super Bowl-winning quarterback in Joe Flacco and veteran offensive skill players in Steve Smith, Justin Forsett, and Dennis Pitta, who don't squander chances over and over again. They were given a reprieve. They took advantage. We realized the defense for the Jags had made several big plays. It was the Jaguars' way to lose a game that was handed to them. Flacco completed passes of 4, 4, and 5 yards before the 2-minute warning. Four plays later, Justin Tucker drilled a 54-yard field goal with 102 left for the win. Question number two. A third straight opponent destroyed the Jaguars' running game. Totally hopeless, right? Answer. Yep. And this is one of the most stunning developments about the Jaguars' offensive woes through three games. The Jaguars should bring in forward Buffalo offensive coordinator Greg Roman, fired two weeks ago to take a look at the run game scheme. Roman has a long association with general manager Dave Caldwell. We thought the improvement of the offensive line, the maturation of T.J. Yeldon, and the arrival of Chris Ivory would trigger a run game boom. Problem is, we don't see any variety of the scheme. It's basic stuff and bad results. Please, let's not have receiver Alan Hearns motion inside to be a run blocker. First, it's a giveaway of what play is coming. And second, Hearns is here to catch passes, not seal off linebackers and safeties. The Jaguars should feel fortunate he hasn't been hurt yet. Question number three. The Jaguars keep committing bad penalties. Why doesn't Coach Gus Bradley take away playing time? Answer, because he doesn't want to make the team worse. Teams are allowed to dress only 46 players on Sundays and three are specialists. Coaches don't have the luxury of taking players out of the game because of mistakes or penalties. Bradley did take Dante Fowler out of the game after his second bad penalty Sunday, but it, would, it made no sense to keep his second best pass rusher on the bench for the next third down. All Bradley can do is keep stressing the importance of not committing penalties and hope it finally registers. The Jaguars have 30 penalties this year. We'll get into more of the penalties on the next segment. Question number four, is it time to be worried about quarterback Blake Bortles? Answer, yes. It was last week, and it's especially true this week. Bortles threw three more interceptions against Baltimore, running the season total to six, plus one lost fumble. That's alarming. But the big thing is his lack of playmaking. 
We don't see the same quarterback that played free and aggressively last year. We see a guy who was spooked by the end of the Green Bay game and hasn't been the same since. You need both hands to count the number of bad throws Bortles had against Baltimore. Overthrowing Julius Thomas and Marquise Lee, who are open downfield, come to mind. Bortles, and also Bortles is back to taking awful sacks. This quarterback has reached a crossroads. Uh, he's in a slump. He needs to fix it in a hurry because his play is costing this team a chance to win. Last question, number five. The annual London trip is up next. Any reason to think things can change for the Jaguars? Glass is half full guy, people. I look at the positive things. We'll cite a couple reasons because we have that attitude. A, the defense showed an ability to stop Baltimore on third down, 3 of 13, and create turnovers, two interceptions. B, Allen Robinson became a primary point of the Jaguars' passing game, 7 for 57 and two touchdowns. That should happen on a weekly basis. C, the Colts aren't very good either, and they'll be making the trip overseas for the first time. D, the sense of urgency in the Jaguars' locker room will be off the charts. Veteran players are undoubtedly aware of how bi-week coaching changes are semi-common in the NFL. If the Jaguars fly back to the United States 0-4, changes of some sort will be in the offing. If anything, play well and beat the Colts because you like the head coach. Those are my extra points for Monday morning. Be back with the Reporter's Notebook. Welcome back to Locked on Jaguars. I'm Ryan O'Halloran. Our final segment is the Reporter's Notebook. First topic, penalties. The Jaguars' penalty problem continued in Sunday's loss to the Baltimore Ravens, even though their infraction and yardage totals were actually lower than the losses to Green Bay and San Diego. The Jaguars were called for seven penalties, totaling 75 yards against the Ravens. Quote, Gus Bradley said, Our penalties were down, but we still had the foolish penalties, end quote. At least four penalties I thought stood out as being preventable slash foolish. First one. Defensive end Yannick Ngakwe was called for unnecessary roughness after he was engaged with tight end Crockett Gilmore. Instead of the Ravens going second and eight from the Jaguar 19, they had first and goal from the nine. Quarterback Joe Flacco scored two plays later for a 7-0 lead. Right tackle Jeremy Parnell's iffy downfield holding penalty in the second quarter wiped out a 22-yard catch and run by tight end Mercedes Lewis. Instead of first and 10 from the Baltimore 30, the Jaguars had second and seven from their 45 and punted three plays later. Next one, two, first the Dante Fowler's penalties. Call for unsportsmanlike conduct on Justin Tucker's missed 57-yard field goal to end the first half. Fowler tried to leap over the Baltimore offensive line, which is allowed, but he made contact with a Ravens blocker, which is, is not allowed. The 15-yard penalty moved Tucker up to 42 yards for the field goal on an untimed down. He hit it to give the Ravens a 13-7 halftime lead. I asked Gus Bradley if Fowler knew the rule. Bradley told me Fowler was, quote, aware, end quote, of the rule. He's trying to do too much. Last penalty, fourth quarter. Fowler was called for illegal use of hands, five yards on a run play that was away from his side of the field. Instead of second and eight from the Ravens 22, Baltimore had a first down. It eventually punted. But still, bad penalty. The Jaguars went 9, penalty of 79 yards against the Packers, 14 for 93 against the Chargers. For the year, they have 30 for 247 compared with 16 for 105 by their opponents. Penalty problem continues. Next item, two impact special team plays. Rashad Green and Denar Robinson had those on Sunday. First Green, his team trailing 10-0 in the second quarter and needing a spark because its offense wasn't doing anything. Green returned Sam Cook's punt 42 yards for the Ravens 37. The Jaguars scored a touchdown eight plays later. Bortles to Robinson for three yards. 
Coke's punt had 4.25 seconds of hang time, and Green ran down the right sideline with good blocks supplied by Aurelius Ben and Peyton Thompson. Actually, I think it was the left sideline, but anyways. Robinson's big play came in the Jaguars' trail in 16-13. Devin Hester called for a fair catch, but muffed it. Robinson recovered. Jaguars end up kicking a field goal with that green field position. We got into that, how the opportunities were uh, missed. Next item, run game still broken. The debut of Chris Ivory didn't spark the slumping Jaguars run game. Ivory carried 12 times for 14 yards, a 1.2 average, and his longest carry was 4 yards. TJ Yeldon, 6 carries, 17 yards. For the season, Jaguars tailbacks have provided for 112 yards on 50 carries, a 2.2 average. I asked TJ Yeldon about this, and he said, quote, I can't tell you, man. We have to look at the film and get better, end quote. I asked Bradley about it. Gus said, quote, just maintaining our blocks, end quote. That's a very good defense we face. Very stout front, and they've been very good against the run, end quote. Odrick's streak ends. Defensive end Jared Odrick saw a streak of 82 straight games end Sunday because he was scratched with a triceps injury. Also inactive and hurt, Christian Lucamara, hamstring, Brandon Linder, knee, Kevin Beach with concussion, Ben Koyak, knee. Lucamara missed his second straight game. Linder, Beach, and Hope, Odrick, and Kayak missed their first. Defensive end Tyson Alawalo started for Odrick and was active for the first time this year. Finally, an end quote. Ravens coach John Harbaugh proving the 3-0. Quote, all I can say is that's amazing. It's awesome. It's incredible. For us, it's a fabulous victory. End quote. Gotta love Harbaugh. For the Jags, it wasn't amazing. It wasn't awesome. It wasn't incredible. It was a fabulous loss. Uh, big time loss. Let's see how they recovered from this. Just to give you a little heads up on the schedule this week, Jaguars will be at the stadium on Monday. They'll have Tuesday off. They'll practice Wednesday. They'll practice Thursday. And then they'll fly overseas arriving Friday morning. They'll have a walkthrough practice uh, Friday late morning at London time, which means really early morning back here in the States. Uh, and then they'll play Sunday at 9.30 a.m. Eastern. Um, I believe that's 2.30 p.m. in something London. And then they'll fly home right after the game and then have the bye week off. If they win, the bye week should be pretty quiet. If they lose, some of us may be kissing our bye week goodbye. I'll be back for Tuesday's podcast. We'll talk a little bit more about this game after watching the tape, maybe take a first look at the Colts, and then I'll have a podcast Wednesday and then maybe Friday from London. We'll see how the schedule and the travel works out. So I appreciate everybody listening to Lockdown Jaguars from the Florida Times Union. I'm Ryan O'Halloran. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst.